What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. David Wiley from the OZ joins me as usual. You can find them online at okanaganz.com slash OZ. Check them out on Twitter at okanaganz and at Wiley Ryder. David, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, we are finally getting some heat, like 35 degrees here in uh, northern Alberta. Is the sun still shining where you are? Man, it's cooking. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, about the same temperature here. And, uh, you know, I, I was going to turn on the barbecue tonight, but I, I literally feel like I'm on the barbecue. <laughs> it is hot. Yeah. Luckily, you have a lot nicer water uh, to bed. There's not the, you know, I'm from Manitoba, uh, you know, millions of lakes uh, compared to Alberta where there's not a lot. And the ones that are nice are already crowded. Where you are, mm-hmm. there's tons of water to cool off on. It's pretty beautiful. We have one of the biggest uh, lakes in all of Canada here. So, you know, whenever we can get out, get out to it, we certainly do. And there's lots of smaller ones, too. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good time. A good Canadian summer. And hopefully people are out there enjoying it and doing it at a distance. Mm-hmm. Doing it safely, for sure. Let's talk chat about our first story. And uh, this is music to my ears. And one step closer to people recognizing the benefits of cannabis in that CBD has been approved for use for U.S. military members. It looks like cannabis in the military may be slowly marching toward normalization. Um, the U.S. is a bit of a different beast than Canada here. So the, the federal government in the U.S. legalized hemp in 2018, uh, removing it from its list of controlled substances. Now, hemp, by definition in the U.S., is basically any cannabis product with less than 0.3% THC. That's considered hemp. Uh, So it's created a bit of a booming CBD market. In the military, though, there uh, was a blanket ban, um, and part of that reason was that they wanted to, quote, protect the integrity of the drug testing program. So it's, it's tough to test. Uh, when you've got that, even that little bit in the system. Um, but uh, yeah, so it looks like now we've got approval from a House committee um, that would let troops who previously used cannabis to re-enlist. Um, and even more progressively, Congress has passed an, an amendment to allow service members to use hemp and CBD products. Now that's a National Defense Authorization Act, as it's called, passed uh, 336 to 71 um, now, it's, it still requires approval in the Senate. Uh, and, you know, this goes against what the uh, military wants. The military actually wants just a blanket ban. They don't want uh, any members of the military to use cannabis in any form. Uh, but if this does get passed, uh, it would supersede Defense Department rules. And also, I think there's an also an option for people to be able to re-enlist who have maybe had some uh, previous uh, uh, ca- uh, CBD or, or cannabis. Um, I don't know whether it would be suspensions, but it, it just looks like they're, pardon the pun, marching in the right direction with this. Well, let's hope so. It's the U.S. I don't even. Uh, I don't even say that I come close to understanding what's going on down there. Uh, it really is a mishmash patchwork. Uh, there's different laws all over the place in different departments in different states. 
Um, but overarchingly, it is completely illegal on the federal level, except for CBD, which is strange to me. I, I mean, from what I hear, you can actually go into a gas station in the U.S. to buy CBD products, which is something you can't do here, and we have a legal market. Yeah, you can buy. I was uh, told um, by a friend that you can buy CBD in a mall kiosk in Las Vegas. It's uh, it's it's weird down there. Yeah. Get your new screen uh, for your phone and some CBD uh, and some sunglasses <laughs> uh, all in one place at the uh, kiosk. It's a uh, it's a it's a wide open wild world down there, and it's not federally legalized as you mentioned. All right, let's go closer to home now. And uh, there seems to be a new big player in the BC cannabis space. What can you tell us about that? It's always surprising to see who's involved in cannabis. It's sometimes personalities that you would never expect. Uh, And in this case, the growth office actually found that a Vancouver-based company uh, that's getting its hands into cannabis both in BC and in Alberta it's actually funded by a Kuwaiti billionaire. Uh, so his name is Bassem al Ghanim. Not sure if I pronounced that correctly, um, but he is making lots of moves. He, he seems to be the head of a company called Bazam Management. And yet they recently bought a 250-acre farm uh, as well as a hotel in Midway, B.C. Hmm. Uh, so the hotel would be used to house farm workers. It's not approved yet, so they're still waiting on, on their Health Canada approval. Now, Midway, it's located in a semi-arid zone in the west boundary area of D.C., and that's between Osoyoos and Grand Forks, so not too far from where I am, actually. Now, this, this region has some really fertile ground and great growing conditions, and we're starting to see a lot of outdoor operations uh, that are really taking root here. Now, the, the tip-off that something was happening on this farm uh, that may have involved cannabis was that five kilometers of three-meter-high fencing uh, had been installed around about a 100-acre upper lot. Uh, barbed wire and everything, security cameras, um, just to make sure that people aren't getting in there and ripping them off. Now, this seems to be a string of cannabis deals that's struck by this company over the past 18 months. Uh, you, you know, kudos to the growth op because they've been untangling uh, this billionaire's string of multi-million dollar investments. And they include companies like Speakeasy in Rock Creek, which has a 10,000 square foot Health Canada licensed grow operation uh, and a 60 acre outdoor operation. That they're going to be producing 70,000 kilograms of cannabis this year. Now, Bazam's uh, chief marketing officer, Jordan Winnett, he told the growth op, that, uh, that this Kuwaiti billionaire prefers to stay out of the story. Uh, so we likely won't be hearing too much from him. But it does make you wonder how many different people are involved in the cannabis industry as you know, quiet investors or behind the scenes that we just wouldn't think about. Yeah, this is a it's a it's a fascinating story how they've laid this out about the uh, the fencing uh, going up right away and and that eighteen percent stock they paid uh, they bought four point eight five million dollars so it it sounds like there could be a silent power player in the cannabis industry and you're right you you wonder if there are more or. Will this inspire more people to go in and try to be a little bit anonymous? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know it's really, really worth the read to go out and seek it out on the growth up. 
And we've seen investments into cannabis and players in cannabis that uh, you know, have raised our eyebrows, most certainly. People who have fought for a long time um, to put people in jail mm-hmm. for simple possession. So it's, uh, it's interesting to see. We're talking about normalization uh, in the U.S. And as that, uh, as that market starts to open up, I mean, you're just going to start to see more big money flowing into this industry. And uh, I, for one, am really hoping that we continue to see a strong representation from the smaller players, uh, and especially as we start to get some of those legacy market players and growers into the legal market. Because, you know, big money, I guess it has its place, but we certainly don't want to see the takeover like we have with other industries. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Um, we have talked in the past on this segment about, you know, um, you know what Joe Biden's uh, nomination meant uh, for uh, the legal cannabis movement in the U.S. And, and this is a story about uh, the Democratic Party, uh, their delegates rejecting marijuana legalization, uh, reject marijuana legalization amendment to the 2020 policy platform. What does this mean in the big picture? Well, when we saw Joe Biden get that nomination, uh, it was a bit disappointing for, well, maybe even a lot disappointing for people who want to see legalization of cannabis in the U.S. He was one of the least friendly toward our happy plant. Um, and it looks like his policies are really going through. Maybe he's not alone in the Democratic Party. We thought that they were uh, maybe the more progressive of the two, but we'll have to see. You know, like I mentioned earlier, there's some real confusing state-by-state laws, department-by-department laws, uh, and it looks like they're going to be standing uh, for a little longer in the U.S. You know, the Democratic National Committee, their platform committee, did reject an amendment this week that calls on the party to support cannabis legalization as a 2020 policy plank. Um, could have been a real, uh, you know, a real big game changer, and it was predicted, in fact, that by um, can by Canopy Growth CEO that we're going to see legalization, um, if not this time around, then within the next four or five years. So we'll see what comes to bear with that. Now, there were a number of delegates who argued in favor of legalization. They're saying that ending the war on drugs will resolve racial uh, inequities and stimulate the, the economy. Um, it, unfortunately, that measure was shot down uh, in a hundred and six to fifty votes, mm-hmm. so it was it wasn't even close. Um, the panel instead decided to keep the language um, that included that was included in a draft platform released last week, and that calls for decriminalization of cannabis possession, uh, automatic expungements of prior marijuana convictions, and federal rescheduling through executive action. Uh, legalizing medical cannabis and allowing states to set their own laws. So it's, it is absolutely headed in the right direction, uh, but it does stop short of endorsing adult use legalization. Uh, now, an interesting note here, uh, we're talking about racial inequities. When people of color in the U.S. are six times more likely to be arrested than others under the current cannabis criminalization policy. So decriminalization is absolutely called for the expungement of of these kinds of uh, convictions in the past is absolutely called for. And and we hope to see at least these kinds of moves um, being adopted going forward. 
100%. Um, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate um, that, sure, you can say, okay, the states are going to be able to decide as they have, but until you get that blanket federal legal uh, statement or, or blanket across the country, um, co- companies in the U.S. aren't going to recognize it. Like, they're, you cannot use apps on a, a Apple product for any vape or, or cannabis situation. Yeah. And that's because it's not federally legalized. People with uh, Facebook and Instagram accounts are constantly getting them taken down because it's not federally legal. Until that happens, a lot of this cannabis industry is held back. Absolutely. These U.S. policies do have a far-reaching impact even outside of the country. Um, and a lot of people have been seeing the uh, the Democrats in the U.S. as a very progressive party. It, it, it appears to me like they're going the, the wrong way. I mean, right. this measure was defeated, but it, it boggles my mind, being Canadian and proud of our health care system, that it actually received more favorable votes than a proposal for the party to support Medicare for all as part of its 2020 platform. So, uh, you know, I don't know what's going on in the States, but uh, really hope that they start to, to take care of their own people. No doubt. All right, let's wrap up with a conversation about uh, cannabis brands and uh, consumers. Yeah, this is a fascinating study. It's a new report that comes out from the Brightfield Group. And it, it says that the Canadian market's really experiencing a turning point. Uh, for a long time there, the industry was all about trying to get investment, money, trying to grow. Um, and that, that kind of growth, being the biggest, the biggest dog in the pen, just wasn't turning into consumer loyalty. So licensed producers are now starting to create, promote brands that are aimed at specific consumers. So this study broke it down into uh, different types of consumers, uh, and that includes typical stoners, the stressed-out millennials, microdosing mamas, and newbies. I think that the, the names are completely ridiculous. Um, but, uh, you know, on another level, they do actually tell you the kinds of sex that they're starting to break down to. And what they found was that uh, good supply, for example, really appeals to the typical stoner of the stressed-out millennials. It's uh, budget-friendly, and uh, it's fun, colorful branding. Then you've got Kanika. Kanika seems to apply to to, uh, newbies. It appeals to newbies, to typical stoners and stressed-out millennials. Um, You know, they have formats like uh, pre-rolls and disposable vapes, and they're generally pretty accessible to newcomers. And you have brands like Alcevi. And so these are the types of brands that seem to apply to what they call micro-dosing mamas. And that tends to be the premium flower with high CBD strains uh, and often accompanied by uplifting messages, um, you know, to awaken or to live in the now. I find this fascinating that these brands can start to actually differentiate themselves, even among the, the very strict and highly regulated environment that we have when it comes to marketing. Uh, I love these studies. I'm always fascinated by this research. It takes into account the data from 3,000 Canadian cannabis users was collected in the spring and generally balanced uh, in age, gender, and geography. Now, my my only qualm with this is that I wish they had it dug a little bit deeper and looked into some uh, some of the other big brands. Um, you know, the other thing that they did find too, which probably comes as no surprise, is that uh, that 
budget brands are really taking off and tend to appeal very much to uh, what they call the typical stoner or the stressed out millennials. So generally people who are looking for uh, quantity will go to the budget brand. Uh, so overall, really interesting research, and uh, this Brightfield group has started to come out with uh, with a few studies now that are worth watching. Yeah, well, it's not surprising to hear that the uh, the, the kind of the budget type cannabis brands are the ones that are taking off. I mean, um, most of the population can't afford to go out and spend uh, you know seventy, eighty bucks on their uh, you know cannabis, whatever it's three and a half grams, and you know it's great when you can afford to do that, but most of the population can't. So most of the population, you know, there's a reason that like. Coors Light is one of the uh, better selling beers because it's uh, a, a very cheap option uh, that is available. But here's what here's the one thing that I have noticed, and I think this is a way that you know brands can stand out. Don't make your packaging a white tub. I mean, because everything is almost a white tub. Like I, I look, I got some uh, Simply Bear uh, Organic the other day, an orange tub. It stood out. Not that I, I buy my cannabis based on color, but what I'm saying is that when the customer comes in and they're looking at the all the jars and the options and one of them is a different color than the other, they're going to take a look at that a little bit more. Uh, Green Organic Dutchman has a little bit of a different. So there's things you can do with your packaging that allows you to stand out among all the other brands that look the same. Absolutely. And I think another takeaway from this is that companies who seem to be succeeding in market segmentation tend to focus in on one type of person. Um, you know, whereas you look at a, a company like Canopy Growth and Tweet, and, it, it, you know, they've self-admitted that it's impossible to go after everyone everywhere in every product. So even, even Canopy is looking at trying to be best in certain areas to be first in certain markets, uh, and and that's the way it's got to be. You can't be everything to anyone, and the old adage goes, a friend to all is a friend to none. Well said, David. Uh, thank you once again for joining me on This Week in Cannabis News. You can find all the cannabis news you need at okanaganz.com slash OZ, and uh, follow them on Twitter at okanaganz and at Wiley Writer. Enjoy the sunshine, David. We'll chat next week. You too, my friend. Great to talk to you.